The Civic Circle is a youth-led podcast by the Bucks County Beacon tackling politics and policy from a Gen Z lens. I'm your co-host, Sarah. I'm Mallory. And I'm Alexandra. And we're all students from Bucks County, Pennsylvania, chatting about activism, advocacy, and all the political happenings affecting our generation today. We're focusing on PA politics. I want to serve as a call to action for all young people to get involved in the civic process and demand change. With our first episode, we wanted to introduce ourselves, what brought us into this work, and some of the hot issues of this past summer. The hottest definitely being extreme weather, sweltering heat, and how the climate crisis has directly affected us here in Bucks County. First, let's just take a moment to share how we got here in our work. Do you want to go first, Alexandra? Yeah, sure. Hey, my name is Alexandra. I'm a current CB senior. I've lived in Bucks County for pretty much my whole life, and I truly love living here. I am extremely interested in politics, but I didn't really get involved in community stuff until about two years ago when I switched from Catholic school to public school, and my work looks to promote youth engagement and inclusive education. Can you just speak a little bit more as to how you got interested in working on environmental issues and also any previous activism you've engaged in? Yeah, sure. Um, It sounds kind of cheesy, but I think I've always just been very connected to nature. Like, I've loved animals and just being outside for as long as I can remember. That's not cheesy at all. Like, I definitely feel the same way. Yeah. Um, And also, like, talking about my previous activism, something that I did recently was um, have a concert with an organization that I'm part of called Bucks Liberation Coalition. And um, the concert basically raised money for this organization called Seeing Sovereignty that's indigenous led. And it looks to combat climate change um, with the safety of indigenous people and other marginalized groups in mind, which is, it's a great organization, check it out. Um, But yeah, it was a really great community event and we were honored to raise money for them. That sounds awesome. I'm really glad to hear that youth activism is still strong in Bucks County. It was such a pillar of my experience growing up there. Do you want to go for, or do you want to go next, Mallory? Sure. So I am Mallory. I'm a Council Rock South alumni. I'm a current student at Temple University, Go Owls. Uh, I'm Asian American and originally from New Jersey, but I think I've really grown up and become the person I am in Bucks County, honestly. Um, it was an amazing place to grow up. I think it shaped me. And as for my environmental connection and activism, uh, my family's from a country that is, you know, constantly facing environmental issues, hurricanes, earthquakes, anything, you name it. So I've basically had a lifelong passion for repairing environmental crises from birth and addressing the social issues that come along with them, like aid to certain countries that may not receive them because of where they are in the world. And I've done this through the environmental club at my school or raising funds for the earthquake relief in Haiti. Whoa, that's so cool. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about the club or? Sure. Um, so I was in it since my freshman year. It's called the Environmental Action Club. We covered any topic basically surrounding the environment in school and out of school. We planted trees in Tyler State Park. We went to, we have this thing called a fall fest in my school where kids and clubs will come and sell stuff. And we chose to make beeswax bomb with wax that we got out from local vendors. And it was used for basically anything you could think of, hand balm, lip balm. We went crazy with it. It was so cute and fun. And we ranged from topics that I think were very serious in the school to things that could just teach kids and kids of our age and younger about the environment. So we had fun with it. Um, Sarah, would you like to speak about yourself a little bit? 
Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Sarah. I graduated from CB East in 2021, and I'm currently studying at UNC Chapel Hill. And I've grown up in Bucks County, basically spent my entire youth there. Um, last summer, or this past summer, I moved to DC, and it was just so hot. Temperatures were nearing 110 degrees, and there was wildfire smoke for a very large period of time. So while I don't feel like... While I wasn't in Bucks County when a lot of things were happening, I was still very aware of them um, being on the East Coast. I am so sorry I had to go through that in D.C., but um, what kind of work did you do while you were there? Yeah, so I was interning in a congressional office on Capitol Hill, and something about the Hill is that it's it's just like its own little world, and some of the crises that the politicians there decide to focus on just kind of take up our entire like time and space there. So I started my internship at the very height of the debt ceiling debate, which was obviously super important. But then the Hill decided to focus on their own little niche issues, um, such as the gas stove debate, which to be fair, it's partially environmental, but it definitely was not driving most of the damage that we saw from extreme weather events this summer. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not super looped in on the gas stove debate. So could you expand a little bit more on that? Yeah, sure. So a lot of nonprofit and advocacy groups had recently kind of conducted some studies that found that gas stoves are bad for our breathing and they release methane and other pollutants, which is obviously bad for the environment. And President Biden has been very big on um, working on the climate crisis and his agenda. And he basically proposed a federal ban on new gas stoves, which kind of manifested itself into congressional bills. And Republicans were pretty much united against this because they said it took away from their freedom of choice for a gas stove. And Democrats were a little bit more divided, but pretty much still aligned with the Biden administration. Um, This took an entire week of debate. And I just feel like it was silly because we know there are a lot larger contributors to pollution, declining air quality and climate change, such as planes or dependency on individualized gas pump cars, animal agriculture, like to me, those all feel like much larger problems and likely played a larger role in causing the extreme weather that we experienced this summer. So let's talk about it. We know the climate crisis is driving all of this, but to what extent? So going into some statistics, since 1901, the average surface temperature across the United States has risen at an average rate of 0.17 Fahrenheit per decade. Average temperatures have risen more quickly since the late 1970s. Nine of the top 10 warmest years on record for the 48 states have occurred since 1998, and 2012 and 2016 were the two warmest years on record. Obviously, as we all know, there's absolutely no debating whether or not climate change is real, and its effects can be seen through recent extreme weather. Extreme heat has plagued the country. I mean, we've seen it from California's Death Valley to Texas to even here in Bucks County, really. Um, I remember, I think it was back in late July, um, there was an extreme heat health warning in the Philly area, which was kind of crazy. But how has extreme heat affected you guys this summer? Yeah, going back to my experience in D.C., I just remember it being so, so hot. So my office had it open up to the roof balcony. We were on the top floor. And earlier in the summer, we would just go outside and look at the skyline and have lunch outside. But by like mid-June, when the wildfire smoke started blowing in and temperatures were like 110 degrees, this was impossible. And I think I 
felt a little bit more shielded than normal because I was inside all the time at work but DC is in a swamp so we definitely felt it when we were outside yeah I can't imagine that must have been kind of horrible honestly um in addition to extreme heat air conditions have allowed wildfires to burn longer and wider and these fires as we know have claimed lives and businesses habitats um unfortunately a recent example of this can be found in Maui as we've seen um I believe it was like a week or two ago um it was in Lahaina and basically um the whole town was decimated by wildfire in like a day which is absolutely insane um it's believed that I that some non-native grasses may have contributed to the fire's ability to spread as quickly as it did, um, which definitely serves as a reminder of the way colonization has contributed to climate change. Um, devastatingly, I believe around 115 people passed away the last I checked, um, and the three of us offer our sincerest condolences to everyone who has been affected by the fires in Lahaina, and truly hope that the people receive the funding that they need to rebuild their community. Unfortunately, it was not too long after the fires until people started making up conspiracy theories about what really happened. Um, theories range from the idea that the fire was started by Chinese space lasers to the claim that billionaires like Oprah set the island on fire so that they could buy the land. Mallory, how do you feel about some of the media's willingness to blame what happened in, in Lahaina on anything but climate change? Um, I just find it very frustrating it sort of reminds me of what sarah was talking about when it came to the gas stove debate and how people blame the smaller things rather than blaming the bigger things like corporations or politicians or letting these corporations get by with some of the things they've done to the environment um i don't think consumers should be blamed or people who are living on land should be blamed for things they're absolutely no control over the media's willingness to blame Lahaina on anything else but climate change, I think is just another example of that. Just pointing the finger in a different direction and to point it towards people who had absolutely nothing to do with it is just crazy to me. Yeah, I completely agree. In addition to air conditions, warming water has also been a problem. As we know, ocean water warms um, and then sea levels rise. And this has led to an eight inch increase in the past 150 years. In addition to this, as temperatures rise, hurricanes have becoming more and more powerful, which is pretty relevant right now, as we've seen in California. Scientists say that as climate continues to warm, hurricanes will not only become stronger, but intensify faster, which is quite scary. And as we know, the consequences of climate change are really all around us. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the hurricane in California, it's kind of similar to what's happening in Hawaii where or Maui, where people are just not prepared um, for these extreme conditions. Like places all across the country are not built to withstand the weather they're getting now. They're built to withstand the type of weather that they get typically. So like in California, there's not typically rain, at least in August time, like with light rain, places like Melrose and Poplar Streets in LA get flooded. So if a thing like a hurricane happens there, people are basically going to be stranded without any proper protection, just like in Maui where they're not expecting fires to just plague the entire island or where they're not expecting some some place like I guess Bucks County where we're not expecting something like an earthquake to happen it's just as the climate crisis continues to build and we keep getting weather that we're not accustomed to we're just going to see the effects happen in say 10 years and see what our infrastructure is going to look like yeah for sure and just to go back to the east coast let's talk about the wildfire smoke from canada because it was actually crazy and 
we had this happen the summer before too with the smoke from California and it's just terrifying that this is kind of becoming this normalized pattern where we can have this borderless smoke come and make our air quality some of the worst in the world yeah did you see what happened in New York yeah it was actually crazy I mean New York is only two hours from us and the city was just it had completely orange skies and it was just something out of a horror movie even in DC I don't think I could go outside for a solid two weeks without wearing an N95 because it literally hurt to breathe yeah the conditions in New York were I don't know like crazy my cousin um he works in the city and he sent a picture of the skyline to our family group chat and oh my god it looked basically like apocalyptic um but when the smoke first drifted down here um honestly it was kind of jarring like I went outside to try to see what was happening my nose started burning after a few minutes and also my backyard is usually like full of the sounds of wildlife um but it was basically quiet besides a few crows which made it feel kind of eerie yeah, for sure. So just for a little bit of background, when the smoke started drifting into the U.S., there were over 165 wildfires burning out of control in Canada, with 116 of those in Quebec. Unfortunately, Canada has had a really, really tough time with wildfires this year. Over 3 million acres have burned in around 2,000 wildfires, and these fires are caused by warm and dry conditions. Obviously, that is created and exacerbated by climate change, which makes the fires much more um, able to spread easily and quickly. So the smoke touched down in Pennsylvania on June 5th and worsened as the days went on. Yeah, I mean, like in, on the first day, a, a code orange has been to effect. Um, and for those of you who aren't updated on the latest air quality codes, uh, code orange means that air pollution concentrations within the region may become unhealthy for sensitive groups. Those sensitive groups can include children, people suffering from asthma and heart disease, other lung diseases, and the elderly. The air quality alerts were honestly kind of scary. Um, I'm not sure about you guys, but I've never really encountered like wildfire smoke or the alerts that come along with it before. Um, and although like we've experienced hurricanes and heat and tornadoes and flooding um, and all that kind of stuff, the smoke and like the alerts kind of made everything feel more real to me, I guess. Like living in America, I think that many of us tend to almost separate ourselves from the problems of the world. Um, but there is no doing that in the face of climate change. Like environmental disaster obviously does not care about borders or military strength um it spreads as it pleases so all this really was a reminder to me that if we don't do something thick smoke and orange skies could be our normal exactly i fully agree and i just remember personally not fully grasping how bad it was until the other pictures of the other parts of pa and especially new york came out but now we all know or we can all learn that as the smoke traveled down became more concentrated was that all parts of Bucks experienced really bad levels of air quality. Um, I think some parts experienced red, meaning that the general public may experience health effects, and other parts experienced purple, meaning that the air is very unhealthy and that health risk increased for everyone in the area. Upper and central Bucks actually experienced code maroon, which is the most unhealthy level of air quality. And that level is described as hazardous for everyone in the area, and everyone will likely be affected by it. Yeah, there were so many illnesses that came from the wildfire smoke too, like headaches, eye and sinus irritation, fatigue, 
difficulty breathing, which I mentioned above, and so much more. I mean, we were getting warnings on our phone to absolutely not go outside at all unless it was necessary. Like, I couldn't even go out and walk my dog. The air quality was fluctuating every single day for a month and a half between June and mid-July, and it was just crazy how much of it we normalized through the summer. Yeah, it definitely is crazy. I think, you know, I think the normalizing comes from the overall exhaustion that we are starting to have with the world. Um, This kind of reminds me of those calendars that were floating around on Instagram and Twitter that kept track of all the crazy events that happen every month. I remember the calendar being especially packed during 2020, but something crazy that happened recently in Bucks County was a flooding. Yeah, I mean, I agree. They're just, as young people, like, we are just very much inundated with issues all the time that we have to get used to, such as, well, not only just tackling the climate crisis, but gun safety, reproductive rights, LGBTQ equality, racism, etc. Just there's so many burdens on our shoulders to fix this world that we're inheriting. And it's very frustrating to feel like our voices aren't heard. So real and so true, honestly. Um, I feel like having all these problems on our shoulders can definitely be overwhelming and like adults disregarding what we have to say is extremely demoralizing and just like frustrating in general um I feel like that along with all that frustration comes activism burnout which I know we talk about this a lot in youth activist spaces but it can definitely um it's hard sometimes but it's important that young activists remember to take care of themselves obviously passion and determination is important of course but If you can't take care of yourself, you can't adequately take care of your community. Yeah, that's so true. I'm definitely echoing the last part. I absolutely agree. And, you know, unfortunately, wildfire smoke was not the only consequence of climate change that visited Bucks County this summer. Flooding was a huge problem affecting our community in several ways. Yeah, and there was very much an evident climate aspect to the flooding, um, in an interview with the Inquirer, the head of the Delaware Riverkeeper Network, Maya Caven Rossum, stated, and I quote, Saturday's flooding was a clear symptom of a warming world. Warmer air can hold more moisture, and Pennsylvania's and other officials need to start taking the climate crisis seriously. End quote. I think thunderstorms and downpours are very much a staple of the summer, but climate change is absolutely exacerbating the problem. Yeah, I completely agree. I saw something kind of similar in my research. Um, David R. Easterling, who is the chief of the assessments branch at the National Centers for Environmental Information, said something very similar to Von Rossum. Um, Basically, he was saying that because we live in a world that is affected by climate change and is in turn being made moister due to rising temperatures, these downpours are not going away. And unfortunately, the Northeast has been especially vulnerable for various reasons. Exactly. And I feel like when we hear about flooding around here, it's usually around the Delaware Delaware River, but I think what was especially scary this time is that it happened in Huff's Creek, a small stream off of the river. And seeing the deadly flooding just keep getting closer and smaller is sort of just a reminder of how climate disasters are just going to keep happening in unusual places, including your homes. And to get back to the creek, the small width absolutely played a role in the disaster. I mean, Sean Reed, who's a hydrologist who works at the Middle Atlantic River Forecast Center, said that the narrow streams are more likely to slosh over than larger bodies of water like the Delaware River. And I do remember being under flood watch warning that day and along with all of Eastern PA and New Jersey during that Sunday. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure the um, flash flood warning started at like 5.15. Um, at that point, two to three inches of rain had already fallen. And it was pretty scary, honestly. The water level in my backyard rose extremely um, quickly. And it was so high that you couldn't even see like a forest floor, um, which was kind of crazy. But it is believed that the storm may have been given a boost from the moist air off the Atlantic coming from the southeast. And according to a meteorologist who was monitoring the storm at the time, the air from the Atlantic is warm due to sea surface temperatures that have been several degrees above normal as of recent. And I'd just like to add in here that a spike in sea temperatures is not only going to risk human life with things such as hurricanes and flooding, but it will also risk animal life as well. I mean, temperature itself isn't an issue for them necessarily. Um, it's more about oxygen. Water near the equator tends to be warmer and contain less oxygen than water near the poles. Um, but however, moving from the ocean surface to deeper waters, both oxygen and temperature decrease together. So an organism's autonomy, physiology, and activity level determines oxygen needs and usage. But just as a visual reminder of how sea temperatures affect animals, I'm sure we all know the pictures of polar bears sitting on those small pieces of ice or even the videos of them going into human-occupied territory in desperate search for food or ice. Those pictures are actually all so sad, like especially the ones of like orangutans sitting next to like empty land that used to be a forest or even like turtles swimming through trash um it's all just kind of devastating um and although what many humans have to go through due to climate change is obviously like deplorable I've always kind of felt like especially bad for the animals as you know they don't really have a way of understanding what's happening and don't contribute to this problem yeah for sure I agree with that too and just to go back to the flooding um so the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, had ironically actually just commended up, Upper Makefield where the floods was ha were happening for their flood mitigation projects. But I just feel like nobody was really prepared for a flood of this magnitude. So Upper Makefield contextually has historically been flood prone, and it was one of only one of only five in Philly's neighboring counties that participated in the Community Rating System, or CRS, which is a voluntary program led by FEMA that gives a discount on flood insurance premiums, so obviously very flood prone. And it's worth just noting the background of flood insurance. Back in 1968, the National Flood Insurance Program was created for anyone who was buying a home in a flood zone with a federally backed mortgage, but there was just criticism that this program ultimately resulted in more development in floodplain regions. On the other hand, some advocates state that flood insurance is definitely risky, but still beneficial. What's your personal opinion on it? I mean, personally, I feel like a lot of this comes from ego. Humans just often build in places where I feel like we shouldn't, such as right on the coast or right on a cliff. And with the rising damage from climate crises, it just seems like there's so much time and energy wasted in trying to protect these places when nature was actively giving us signs not to build there. I think instead we should focus more on efforts to prevent the climate crisis from worsening or just invest like I just don't think we should be investing as many federal dollars as we do into protecting or creating insurance for houses that should have built there and the, been built there in the first place what do you guys think I pretty much agree I think I will say that I do kind of understand why some people may build homes or like 
establishments on coaster cliffs just because um you know someone might have like a familial tie or cultural tie to the land like indigenous people who may live on like a coaster cliff for such reasons yeah yeah and i agree indigenous people are definitely facing much larger impacts from the climate crisis when they've done nothing to contribute to it actually recently i read an environmental essay book it was called braiding sweetgrass um and it was written by an indigenous author it was just a very eye-opening book to see how indigenous people work with nature to create harmony harmony while in our current capitalist society it feels like we're often working to overpower nature that book that essay sounds interesting and powerful i'd love to read that yeah me too um going back to sarah's point about coastal homes being swept away I do agree that we shouldn't be wasting money on insuring these homes when, like, the funds obviously could be used more responsibly. At the end of the day, not a single one of our houses is more important than trying to prevent the climate crisis from worsening. I think that we can all agree with that. And if or really when the climate crisis does get worse, I mean, we won't even have houses to care about. Exactly. And along with the climate crisis, as a result of the storm that happened in Bucks County, um, at around 5.30 on that Sunday evening, victims were swept away in the flooding, and all five of the known dead died from drowning. Three victims, Enzo DiPario, 78, Susan Barnhart, 53, and Catherine Selly, 32, were found the following Sunday, and Hugo Love, 64, and Linda DiPario, 74, were recovered that Sunday. As of today, there are still two children missing from the flooding, but search efforts are still ongoing. Yeah, wow. Um, hearing about these people in our community who have lost their lives to extreme weather is truly heartbreaking, and we send our deepest condolences to their loved ones. Absolutely. To wrap up, it's worth noting that these crises aren't normal. Like Ali said earlier, climate change is real, and while we're feeling its impacts at a drastic and heartbreaking level in our own community, this problem is really just going to keep getting worse as we continue to not take action. We need politicians to sponsor and pass legislation that address warming temperatures and extreme weather that we experienced not only this summer, but last summer, and likely the next one too. Exactly. And I know that as of now, there are bills in the PA House that are trying to be passed, um, one being the codification of the Environmental Justice Advisory Board. I know its prime sponsor is Representative Malcolm Kiana, who also went to Tubble University, by the way. Um, the purpose of the bill essentially is to, I guess, make a board that would sort of go over the concerning and existing regulations and policies that affect and impact the environmental health of communities. Um, the board would consist of members of traditionally burdened communities, as well as environmentalists, academics, and members of regulated entities and industries. Um, to help address this issue, I think the board would be introducing legislation that will codify the board into Pennsylvania law. So taking that step would essentially have them, I guess, represent us in a way that is in a way where they don't have to ask anybody. They would be there for us and by us. Yeah, that sounds really powerful. And I think the time to improve our environment has not only come, but it's been here for a long time. I completely agree. I mean, this issue has been growing for decades and ignoring it will not stop it. I mean, if anything, it would only worsen it. 
Um, I will always encourage people, especially young people, to take action in their communities, but environmental issues need to be faced at the root. I recommend heading to the website, a starting point, because not only can you find out who your representatives are, but you can also see their opinions on issues. So, you know, contact them, let them know what you think. I used to be so scared to reach out to elected officials, so I'd like to remind you that they're supposed to be there for us. Remind them. I agree with basically everything both you said. Um like Sarah was saying, climate change is real and the extreme weather and destruction it cultivates is not whatsoever normal. Um, but I think it's important to point out that when talking about climate change, um, I feel it too sometimes, it's very easy to become cynical about our future. And although it is limited, we still do have time to change what lies ahead of us. As young people, I think it's very important that we don't stay silent about climate change, that um, we're out there educating our communities, organizing, talking to our politicians, staying passionate. The three of us would like to show our gratitude to our local journalists today, as most of, most of the information utilized in today's episode is accessible to us because of their research and hard work. Thank you for listening to The Civic Circle, a podcast by the Bucks County Beacon. I've been your co-host, Alexandra, Sarah, and Mallory. The music is Bet On It by Silent Partner. For more progressive insight and analysis on Bucks County, Pennsylvania, go to www.buckscountybeacon.com. Don't forget to join us for our next episode on the importance of school board elections, especially with the races heating up in Central Bucks. Follow at Bucks Co Beacon on Twitter for more updates.